What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Minnesota Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Neuer, coming at you on a Wednesday afternoon on May 11th. That's the sweet sound of a sip and tropical sour from Odell Brewing. Let me know what you're drinking in the comment section below. Since there isn't a whole lot to talk about with the Vikings and Timberwolves, we're going to specifically talk about the Minnesota Twins. If you do want to hear some basketball and football conversation, be sure to check out my last podcast I did with David Weiner. We talked about the Wolves and the Vikings for about an hour or so. And some quick notes in this Twins episode, I did go over some of the injury reports, but I wanted to talk about some updates so that it doesn't look too out of date. But after recording the podcast, I talked about a few players' injury status, and we got some notes from Jace Tingler a little bit later. So I want to quickly do this quick. Um, there is no update on Chris Paddock yet. He's still doing the MRIs. Uh, for Dylan Bundy, they're hoping he can do a quick return without a rehab start, which would be great. As for Bailey Ober, he threw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Wednesday, May 11th. And for Kyle Garlick, he's headed for a rehab assignment shortly. And he's had two pretty heavy days of activity in a row. Shout out to, I'm going to butcher the name, I'm really sorry, but Du Hung Park. If I mispronounced that, someone please let me know. Uh, he's the Twins reporter for MLB.com. He does great work there. But that's just a quick update in there of the players I'm going to be talking about later. But anyways, let's dive into it. All right, let's talk about the Minnesota Twins. On this cloudy and rainy Wednesday afternoon, the Twins are 18-12 and and they hold a two and a half game lead on the Chicago White Sox. The game on Wednesday got postponed for the White Sox, so... Coming up, though, the White Sox will be facing the best team in baseball. Record-wise, I still think the Dodgers are the most complete team, and they are my favorites to win the World Series. But right now, the hottest team in baseball is the New York Yankees. The Chicago White Sox will be facing them, up, will be facing them, but after that, they'll be facing the Kansas City Royals. But you still have to feel pretty good about the Twins' chances of keeping this lead, despite all the injuries, which we'll get to in a, in a little bit here. But despite all those injuries, you still feel pretty good because the White Sox are going to be facing the New York Yankees. Minnesota, after this Astros series, will be facing the Cleveland Guardians in a three-game home series. That starts on Friday. Uh, right now, the Guardians are 15-15, and 15, and they are three and a half games back. I don't really look at Cleveland as much of a threat to the AL Central. No matter who it is, like, no matter what their roster looks like, they're always going to be a 500. They're always going to be in the middle of the race at some point in the season. They're just... Always going to be competing. It's just hard to see Cleveland not. So right now the Guardians are only three and a half games back. And hopefully after this three-game series with the Twins here, they will go down to maybe five and a half, six and a half. Uh, I mean, that could also change. It could move up to – it could move up or move back by the time the Twins see them on Friday. But as of right now, getting the Guardians out of the way will be pretty crucial early in the season. And picking up those wins – now against divisional opponents is going to be big, which is why the Twins facing the Chicago White Sox early and having success against them was such a big, like, monumental part of their season, even if the White Sox are an injured team. And right now, Minnesota is also, like, they're just facing a ton of injuries. It's, it's insane. It feels like almost every game, there's a player that leaves early. There's a player that's feeling 
some sort of tightness, which ends up causing them to be day to day, or they go on the 10 day IL because they don't know if they're gonna be able to play in four or five days. And it's just frustrating. And I think that a lot of it does have to do with the whole MLB lockout and players getting rushed back and not being able to work out with the team. It's just another one of those Rob Manfred just continues to mess things up. He's just a, I I can't, he's probably the worst commissioner uh, in all of sports. I mean, him and Roger Goodell kind of hold hand in hands, but I think right now Rob Manfred is kind of leaping ahead of him. But with that shortened, shortened like spring training and trying to rush players back, it's not just Minnesota that's facing a lot of injuries. There's a lot of teams right now. If you just go to, if you just search up MLB teams, IL, you just scroll down and there'll just be a list of players from each team that's just facing all these deficits of players. And it, it's annoying too, because even if it's not just the twins, you want to see other, if you're going to go to a game, you want to see the best players playing. And it's not, it's not, it's not fun seeing kind of a depleted lineup, kind of what the twins are doing. If, if Minnesota is going on a road game, Many people are not going there to see. I mean, as much as we love Roy, Jose Miranda, Royce Lewis, and all them, most people are going there probably to see Byron Bucks, and they're going to see there to see Carlos Correa and so forth. So, it, but let's just kind of get into some of the injuries right now. Danny Coulomb is day to day. He went out with the game. He went out of the game Tuesday night against the Astros with hip inflammation. Uh, there's no word yet whether or not he's going to be going on the 10 day aisle, but there was a tweet. I uh, can't remember the guy's name, but he posted that Yenier Cano is look is likely to be called up. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. The Twins have not said anything. There's not been an official word from like any ML, like Twins reporter or anything. So by th- by tomorrow when this comes out, it may look completely dumb to be talking about this. But if this is the case that Yenier Cano will be going, I mean, sorry, if Danny Coulomb will be going on the IL and Yenier and Yenier Cano is being called up. That's not such a bad thing. But the whole name of Cano coming up does suggest that Coulomb will be going on the 10-day IL. Hopefully it's nothing. He's been incredible this season. Right now, Danny Coulomb has a .75 ERA in 12 innings pitch. I believe that's the second best. I think Joe Smith Joe Smith has not given up a run, so I'd, I'd imagine that Danny Coulomb's .75 is the second best with Griffin Jacks kind of tailing behind him not that far. Uh, Carlos Correa, he's on the 10-day IL. I uh, want to make it clear that there is not any setbacks. He's not; It's not getting any worse. It just hasn't progressed like he thought it would. So it's looking like this will just be a one-time 10-day IL stint, and then hopefully after these 10 days he will be back. And I'm kind of paraphrasing, paraphrasing right here. But he did say that he basically said that he didn't want to be selfish and try to force his way onto the field if he's not 100%. It wouldn't be fair to his teammates. And plus, other players can be playing. As we're seeing, Royce Lewis, he's been more than capable enough of hitting the ball, taking great at-bats, playing phenomenal defense. We'll talk about him, some of the young guys and Royce Lewis a little bit later. But Carlos Correa being on the 10-day IL, obviously it sucks. We want to see him play, but it makes sense to put him on the 10-day. Don't want to rush anything. He's your $35 million player. Hopefully, this is just going to be a quick set a little quick stint, but they did dodge a bullet and that his finger has not been broken. I was kind of bracing for the worst case. Maybe that's just a Minnesota fan inside me kind of been scarred by some of those stuff in the past, but hopefully this is just a short time thing. Uh, Dylan Bundy and Luisa rise should be back any day. Now uh, they 
did fly back to Minneapolis after quarantining in uh, Baltimore. So look for them to come back. I'm sure they'll have to do some sort of cardio, kind of get their, just kind of get up into game shape again. So luckily those are just some short-term things. Chris Paddock, he, uh, Chris Paddock was a player they traded for in that Taylor Rogers trade. They got Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan. I can talk, I'll probably talk about this in a later podcast, but making this trade, I have no regrets over. I mean, Taylor Rogers is a relief pitcher and obviously a really good relief pitcher, all-star pitcher, one of the best in baseball, but it was likely that Minnesota was not going to be paying him after this season. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So Minnesota got a young starter with team control, another relief pitcher. So, I mean, like you can't really expect, even though Chris Paddock has, has had his issues in the past with his elbow um, UCL that you just never know. Maybe he, this season he was completely healthy. Obviously it sucks, but maybe in next, maybe in a year or two, he, this is going to look like a really good trade or it could look like a really bad trade. We never know. But right now he is on the 10 day aisle with right elbow inflammation. There's a possibility he misses the remainder of the season with Tommy John surgery. I uh, still waiting word he got a second opinion on it, but if you watched an interview, uh, KSTP, I believe, posted it on Twitter. If you look at, if you listen to his responses and kind of look at his body language, he's almost giving away that he believes that it will be season ending. He doesn't look very, and I guess I don't know from the past, like his other interviews since he's new to the team, but he didn't really look excited he kind of looked like he knew that something bad was going to be happening and as much as that does suck to lose him for the entire season because he hasn't he's been good and if dylan bundy's not going to be your starter like we saw him those first three games and he's going to look more like what he has the last two then losing chris paddock is a lot more is a lot scarier and they're going to probably have to trade for a starting pitcher then uh, on the bright side, though, this would likely mean that Josh Winder takes that fifth that fifth spot in the rotation. As I said before, like Royce Lewis, I will be getting to Josh Winder in a bit. But Dylan Bundy will need to step up big time if Chris Paddock is going to be out for the season, and Josh Winder will have to take that fifth spot. On the good, on the bright side, though, Byron Buxton has not looked to be at as a long term injury. He is day to day with that hip strain. Um, I mean. I, as I said, I'm recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. The lineup has not come out yet for tonight's game. He, for all I know, he could be in the lineup tonight. He could be in the lineup Thursday afternoon. Obviously, he's been dodging a lot of bullets, so it's been awesome to see him not actually sustain a long-term injury, especially when he went out with that knee injury in Boston. He slammed his helmet. He slammed his hand on the ground. He just looked super frustrated, and it gave away this feeling that this is going to be some serious maybe ACL maybe some torn torn muscle in the knee like it was just really scary to see but luckily he's been dodging a lot of bullets here so look for Byron Bucks and be back in the lineup soon which is great because this offensive lineup needs it especially against this really good Houston Astros staff Bailey Ober he's on the 10-day IL with a groin injury I'd expect him to be back next week or so. He did throw an 18-pitch bullpen session on Saturday, May 7th, which was reported by Dan Hayes of The Athletic, which is a great sign. Uh, that suggests that he's doing pretty good, and I would expect to see him come back soon. And getting him back soon will be important with all these injuries that Minnesota is sustaining. 
Trevor Larnick has been maybe well, not maybe he's been one of the best twins player, but I'm trying to think maybe top five. He's been incredible this season. He's hitting 313. He's playing great defense. He's throwing players out at home. His arm looks phenomenal out there in the outfield. He even has a war of 1.3, which if you're not familiar with the acronym war, it just means wins above replacement. But right now, Trevor Larnick has a war of 1.3, which is higher than Carlos Correa, and it's only 0.1 behind Byron Buxton. Trevor Larnick has a wins above replacement of just 0.1 below Byron Buxton. That's how good he's been. We always knew he was going to be a great talent. He showed he was a great hitter through the minors, through when he was at Oregon State. He kind of had a little slump there with the Twins and at St. Paul, so it was kind of a little alarming to see. Uh, strike. He did strike out a bunch. But we're seeing maybe a different approach to Trevor Larnick. Trevor Larnick's game is mostly hit for, he's just incredible raw power. And seeing him hit, when he hits a home run, it's not a, is this going to be caught at the wall? It's for sure a no doubter. And seeing Trevor Larnick take a different approach might be honestly a better solution for him. His batting average is up. He's not striking out as much. He's just taking quality at bats. He's yet to hit a home run, but if he's hitting 313, I'd I'd honestly rather take that over a 230 with 25 home runs, and he's striking out 30 to 40% of the time. Kyle Garlick, there's been no update on him, which is really kind of concerning, especially because usually you at least get some sort of update, and maybe that's just because he's not a focal point of the roster, which is kind of not a, it's not a knock on him. It's just of the outfielders, Kyle Garlick really doesn't come to mind. If I'm being completely honest, I completely forgot that he was injured when I was looking at the list, reviewing who was out. Uh, he's been out, though, since May 1st, and hopefully he can come back soon. He's great at left-handed pitching. We saw what he was doing there against the Tampa Bay Rays, so hopefully he can come back and kind of give some of that juice out there in the field. Miguel Sano will probably be out a couple more weeks, if not months. For all we know, he could be out the entire season. A couple days ago, he did get surgery to repair a torn meniscus. I believe Darren Wilson said that it was uh, the New York Yankees. Uh, it was one of the one of the staffs from New York Yankees did the surgery for him. So maybe Miguel Sano played his last game as a Minnesota Twin. I don't really know. We can get more into Miguel Sano later. We've kind of already talked about him a bunch on here. Obviously, he's not the same player we saw that rookie season. He struggled a lot, and as much as we don't want to wish any injury on a player, if you're going to look on the bright side that he's not in the lineup and Minnesota's offense is playing better because of it, I mean, I don't want to bash him, obviously, but that is just kind of the reality of it. When he's not in the lineup, players are getting the ball in play where Miguel Sano is either a strikeout or a home run. So overall... The Twins have a lot of players on the IL, but a lot of them should be back in a couple days, if not a week or so. Really, the only long period like time injury that I could see is Miguel Sano and Kyle Garlic, just because there hasn't really been anything. But he has been on the IL for at least 10 days now, so maybe he's coming back soon. But yeah, I just Miguel Sano is really the only one. A lot of these other players are going to be like a one-time stint. So that's that's great news, at least. Because of all these injuries, you'd expect Minnesota to be struggling. Not str- but like 
not necessarily struggling, but maybe just hovering that 500 line. Maybe they look really poor, but that really hasn't been the case beyond what happened on Tuesday night against the Astros. You can't, Justin Verlander's on the mound. I mean, like, what do you expect this young lineup to go out there and do? You really expect them to hit against a Hall of Famer like that? I mean, just ignore and throw that game out the window. Not many times you're going to be facing that kind of pitcher. But this lineup has been stepping in. The Twins won nine straight at home. Well, I guess that was broken after that Astros game. Erase that. Prior to that game, they had a nine-game winning streak. They were sweeping. They just took out the... Oh, man, why am I blanking on this? Why am I blanking on this? We watch every game, you fool. Give me a second. Um. Okay, so... Prior to that, it was the Athletics. Duh. So they took out the Athletics on a sweep. They played really well against the Rays. Baltimore had their number, but for the most part... Minnesota has been playing extremely well despite all these players being out. And that's because of these young guys. Joe Ryan has been an ace and he's in contention to win rookie of the year. Beyond what happened against the Astros last night, he's been the twins best starter in the rotation and it hasn't really even been close right now. He's three and two with an ERA of 2.56. And it's just been really fun to see him progress. Players are just, he's throwing strikes, but players just don't know how to hit him. Apparently. It's been incredible. And Yuan Duran is throwing heat the other night. He threw 103. What I wouldn't do if I could throw 103. I could probably throw maybe half that if I'm lucky. Yuan Duran right now, though, he is hit or miss. But he has the type of stuff that in a year or two, you're looking at him. You're saying that's going to be a top reliever in baseball. As, as I mentioned before, I don't really see him becoming a starter anymore with the injuries that he's been kind of sustained in the in the past and a guy who's thrown that much, it's, it's just more, it's just, you're better off just throwing him out of the bullpen instead. He is 0-1 with an ERA 3.68. He's either dialed in or just kind of struggling where he gives up a couple home runs. I just wrote an article about Griffin Jackson. Go check that out at letstalkminnesotasports.com. Tweeted at Let's Talk Twins as well. But he's been the Twins' most reliable pitcher. He's 2-0. He has an ERA of 1.35. And as I talked about in the article, when he was a starter, you saw that once he went through the lineup once, he was he looked incredible. Ace-type stuff. But once he faced that second and third time through the lineup, that's where things started to go downhill. It went from like an ERA of 2-3 to three to 7 to 10. And it was just a huge drop-off. And it was just like one of those drop-offs that you're like, that's not eventually something he can fix probably in a couple seasons. So bringing him out of the pen has been an incredible like revelation for his game. His percentile rankings, go check them out at Baseball Savant. There's only two categories in which they're poor, and that's just exit velocity and hard hit percentage. But his velocity is up. He's using the slider 53% of the time. And right now, Griffin Jacks looks like the Twins' best relief pitcher. Ryan Jeffers has kind of slipped again. He had that really good stretch there in between late April, early May, kind of during that Orioles game where he hit that, uh, was a three-run home run, giving the Twins a 5-2 lead there. But Ryan Jeffers needed to step up in a big way after the Minnesota Twins traded Mitch Garver. Gary Sanchez, I love Gary Sanchez. I'm not going to talk shit about him. 
he has not been the best player at the plate. And Ryan Jeffers right now, he is hitting 200. But over his last seven, he's hitting 174. His potential is still there. His, Ryan Jeffers is hitting the ball hard. His defense is actually really good. If, if he can eventually develop into a consistent hitter, you're talking about potentially the best two-way player, two-way catcher, sorry, two-way catcher in Major League Baseball. And Nick Gordon, we already know what he kind of provides, so I'll kind of just briefly talk about him here. He just kind of gives you defensive versatility. He's giving you hustle. For the most part, he's going to give you good at-bats. He just provides kind of that blanket, that security blanket for the Twins that if something happens, you're like, okay, well, Nick Gordon's there. He can come in and play well. He's been a he's been he's been an incredible utility player for the Twins, and it's been fun to see him actually develop after becoming that fifth pick, I believe, in I want to say 2014, 2015, first round pick. Um, he's hasn't developed like I think a lot of people thought he would, but he's made the most of his opportunity, and it's been really fun to see him actually take a hold of that opportunity and really play well. Royce Lewis, he's only played in a couple games here. And for the most part, he's looked really good. Kind of just ignore what, again, I kind of sound like a broken record, but ignore the games that, ignore the game that happened last night. He didn't get a hit in that game, but prior to that, in his first three games in the the MLB, he's gotten a hit. Right now he's hitting 231. He's taking great at-bats. And his defense has been insane. If you watch that Oakland Athletics series, you saw him charging the ball, grabbing with one hand and just flinging it. He looked like Carlos Correa almost at short, and he's only played three to four. He's only played three to four games at shortstop, and it's, he's going to have a very bright future. And if I'm going to get into it in another podcast, but the idea of Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton up the middle, that's just, you're talking about an insane defensive team. That's so much star power if Royce Lewis can come and hit 280, 300, and Carlos Correa is hitting 270 with 30 home runs, and Buck is hitting 300 with 25 to 30 home runs, and he's stealing bases. That's going to be an incredible trio right there. Don't want to forget about Jorge Blanco. There's always love in my heart for him. But Royce Lewis has looked great, and... Hopefully he can stick. I'm going to talk about this here in a second after I talk about Jose Miranda. But Jose Miranda has been a little underwhelming. His bat hasn't been fully there, but he has taken some quality at bats there. He's not striking out a ton. We knew that if you watched him in uh, at at sorry, if you saw him hitting in the minors, you saw him take quality at bats. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's got a great eye at the plate, but right now he has. He's just not fully there. He's got a negative 0.2 wins above replacement. I do think eventually it'll come around. His defense has been a little suspect as well. But again, he's you're asking a guy to come in and play his first couple at-bats against the Houston Astros or... I mean, the athletics aren't great, but it's just it's a tough transition for any player to come in and just play well. So hopefully he can... Hopefully he can stick. So as I was saying, though, before, with Carlos Correa on the IL, I tweeted out and I said that I believe 
that with Carlos Correa going on the IL, this will allow Royce Lewis to stay because I thought maybe Luis Arias was ready to come back after COVID. So I thought they're going to do a little switch where Luis comes in, Carlos goes on the IL, Royce stays, but we didn't see that. We saw actually instead Mark Contreras tweeted a little bit about him as well, what you can expect from him. But I think once Carlos Correa comes back, I do see Royce Lewis going back to St. Paul just because Royce primarily plays second, short, or center field. We haven't really seen him play third base. He's only played one game, I believe, in his whole minor league career. Whereas Jose Miranda can play third, he can play first, he can DH. And I think those corner corner spots on the infield, that's going to be where Minnesota is going to be in much more of a dire need. Uh, Gio Urshela obviously has his moments. He's I like him, but he has his moments. At first base, without Miguel Sano, then you have Alex Kirilov, who has been struggling a, who has been struggling a lot, and I do think that he should be going to AAA or getting some sort of wrist surgery again on that. He does not look like himself. But having a player at first and third is much more of a need right now for the Twins. It's not the outfield. It's not short. It's not second. And so that's why I think Royce Lewis will be going back to St. Paul, even though he has looked a lot better than Jose Miranda. As I talked about Trevor Larna, he stepped in a, a bunch. I already kind of touched on that, though. Hilberto Celestino has been amazing this year. He has been amazing. He's hitting 333, three RBIs, and an on-base percentage of 409. His defense has been incredible. And I tweeted about this whole Byron Buxton angle. Hilberto Celestino is hitting 333. He's playing great defense, and he's your number nine hitter. He gives Byron Buxton the ability to take games as a DH, or rest on some nights. And having that in your back pocket of saying, let's keep Byron Buxton healthy for as long as we can. Let's rest him tonight. Let's have him take DH. We'll put in Hilberto Celestino. He's going to get you a hit or two every night. He's going to go out there. He's going to play great defense. And that's just something we haven't seen in the past before. I love Jake Cave. kind of feel like I've said that about a lot of players, but I do like Jake Cave a lot. I like his intensity. But putting Jake Cave in instead of Byron Buxton wasn't going to work. Hilberto Celestino for Byron Buxton on some nights does work, and that's what's making this team special. You have incredible depth. You have incredible players that are coming through. Everyone is stepping up when you need them to. Despite all the injuries, despite all the adversity, this team is pulling through. They're 18-12. and 12. They're still three. They're two and a half games ahead on the AL Central, and this team is a lot of fun. This team is special. And I can't wait to watch more of the season. That wraps up our eighth episode. Thank you all for listening. Cheers.